This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, my lead story on yesterday's show concerning the real motive uh, behind the timely arrest of Gislaine, Gislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell... Um, caused a lot of stir um, on Twitter, uh, on a lot of these uh, alternate social media platforms I'm on, and uh, email. And uh, a lot of people seemed um, surprised by it. I thought it was uh, fairly obvious myself. I guess I'm going to talk more about it, because anytime the uh, Southern District of New York, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of the, uh, the Democrat Party, the federal prosecutor's office there in Manhattan. Anytime they're involved in anything, no matter how remotely related to Donald Trump, you can bet that they are weaponizing um, that office in order to try to get at Trump. And we've seen it again and again. Of course, we saw uh, their part in promoting and uh, in propagating the, the phony Russia gate hoax. And then, um, you know, they went after the president's personal attorney, busting down his door, violating the uh, attorney-client privilege, trying to find dirt on Donald Trump. And then they forced <laughs> the poor, the poor hapless Michael Cohen to plead guilty to a charge that wasn't even a crime in their zeal to try to implicate Donald Trump. Uh, they, they forced him to plead guilty to a campaign finance violation because uh, Donald Trump had signed a non paid for a non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels right on the eve of the election she blackmailed him and he he uh he uh, you know caved uh but you know that that charge spending one's own money in order to uh silence somebody in the run up to election had already been litigated uh, in the case of uh John Edwards, the former uh, vice presidential uh, candidate on uh, John Kerry's ticket, where the court said, uh, you know, if there's any other 
reason uh, for somebody to spend their private money, uh, you know, to pay for one of these hush agreements, as they call them, that it can't possibly be construed as a campaign finance violation. And that was exactly uh, the case in the uh, Stormy Daniels matter. Uh, Donald Trump had uh, many reasons to want to keep her from making these accusations, whether true or, as I believe, false against Donald Trump. Uh, to save himself from public embarrassment, to uh, to save his wife from uh, from public embarrassment, and he paid for it with his own funds. He didn't use any campaign contribution for that. But they got Michael Cohen to plead guilty to a campaign finance charge so that they could smear Donald Trump. And then, of course, this uh, same prosecutor's office there in Southern Manhattan, Lower Manhattan. Um, they uh, they reached down into uh, the uh, Washington D.C. lobbying firm of Tony Podesta, brother of Clinton crony John Podesta, and uh, and took over the investigation and the prosecution of his uh, lobbying efforts in the Ukraine. The same exact charge in which that Washington court convicted Paul Manafort of. The SDNY took uh, took jurisdiction over John Podesta's part in it and decided there was no crime. So they use it both to punish their enemies and to protect their friends. And uh, and they even went after Giuliani, um, Rudy Giuliani, who once headed that office, trying to smear him and discredit him when he was uncovering Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine. So, and you also have to ask yourself, why is the Southern District of New York taking the lead on the prosecution of Ghislaine Maxwell? Most of these crimes, which Jeffrey Epstein was previously charged and which she was at least an accomplice of, took place in, uh, in Palm Beach, Florida. So they've reached, once again, to bring somebody into the prosecution uh, in the SDNY, I'm sure that they can find a connection there because, um, of course, Epstein maintained residence in Manhattan, but it would have been more properly prosecuted in Florida. Why wasn't it prosecuted in Florida? Because the SDNY wanted to take ownership of this case, and that's uh, one of the reasons, I believe, that they're going to try to a pressure Ghislaine Maxwell to falsely implicate Donald Trump uh, while at the same time they're going to be exposed as utter hypocrites when they uh, turn around and protect these uh, Democrats uh, like Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Bill Gates, and many others. You know, I, uh, I went on a search for uh, sound bites uh, to play on this segment, and uh, there's a strange silence that has fallen over Hollywood, which normally never misses an opportunity to weigh in so that they can declare their moral superiority to the rest of us. They don't have anything to say about the arrest of Ghislaine Maxwell. I did find this clip here. This is a a fellow named Bradley Edwards who has written a book on the uh, Epstein scandal. Uh, talking about how it was uh, Ghislaine Maxwell that made Jeffrey Epstein's predations possible. Well, I I think people are are going to now start realizing what I detailed in the book, which is that without Ghislaine Maxwell, 
there would have been there, there would not have been the monster Jeffrey Epstein. He could not have existed without her. It's hard to decide which is the bigger monster, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, for engaging in this uh, pedophilia ring whose uh, uh, foundations were blackmail of rich and powerful people, or Jelaine Maxwell, who lured these uh, these young women into this uh, this trap. Here's another clip from uh, the author Bradley Edwards talking about whether or not Ghislaine Maxwell can save herself. I think that whatever information she knows, she's going to turn over. I just don't know that it's going to be enough to save her. You know, I, Whatever information she has on anybody, it, it's not putting somebody else above her in the organization. That's the problem that she's going to have. That's just a fact that she has to deal with. So I expect as this investigation continues, that it gets expanded and that the indictment probably expands in time and substance. Uh, That's what I think we're going to see. Well, I'm not so sure about that, Bradley Edwards. The problem is Jeffrey Epstein signed a a plea agreement, I think it was back in 2007, with the corrupt uh, former prosecutor from federal prosecutor from Florida, the guy's name Acosta. And somehow he was able to negotiate a plea agreement that gave all of the uh, the co-conspirators in the indictment immunity for everything, charges made and charges unmade and charges uh, going forward and backward. It was a stunning um, plea deal that, of course, let Jeffrey Epstein spend the night at the uh, the Palm Beach corrections uh, palm beach county correction center and then have his his very own deputy uh drive him around and uh and act as his personal bodyguard if you will with jeffrey epstein footing the bill man and uh and dershowitz was on epstein's defense team that uh that helped negotiate that uh that deal and now uh, Epps, or, uh, Dershowitz is, of course, caught up in this current scandal as well. I've got a clip here. This is a, a lady named Conchita Sarnoff. She was an associate uh, of Maxwell's in London, and she's now heading a, a group that uh, that uh, helps find and recover um, girls that are being trafficked. In the U.S., you have the system of plea bargaining. In essence, the possibility of reducing a sentence by providing information that authorities find helpful. What impact do you think that system could have here? That's a question from the BBC commentator. First of all, Ghislaine Maxwell is covered under the immunity clause when Jeffrey Epstein was given the agreement, the non-prosecution agreement back in 2008. So Glenn was covered under that agreement. Uh, That would make it a federal agreement. That was not a state agreement. If she's covered under a federal agreement of immunity, then does that mean she's untouchable? I I don't understand that. Yes, well, that is exactly right. And in that non-prosecution agreement, which seems to be an ironclad deal because, number one, it was never overturned in 2018. That 
non-prosecution agreement negotiated in Washington, D.C. by the Department of Justice and Mr. Epstein, the late Jeffrey Epstein's attorneys, that is a binding legal document which provides immunity, meaning safe a safe harbor for those procurers identified in the arrest reports and identified in Jeffrey Epstein's indictment. So of those, Ghislaine Maxwell is one. She's one of many, actually. Uh, there were a lot of charges brought in that indictment, and apparently the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. pulled that case up there and negotiated this ridiculously uh, corrupt plea agreement with Jeffrey Epstein and then allowed him to uh, serve a one-year sentence. I think it was, yeah, I think it was one year. may have been 18 months. Uh, just spending the night at the uh, his own private cell at the Palm Beach County Correction Center instead of being locked up in a federal penitentiary. This whole thing stinks to high heaven, and uh, the re- one of the reasons I think that they're going to try to weaponize Jelaine Maxwell against Donald Trump and, and pull out and dust off the old Roy Moore playbook where you have these despicable allegations made about you that can neither be proven nor disproven, allowing the media to just take them and run with them. And we know how fevered the media is to get Donald Trump out of there because he's exposed their uh, dishonesty and, um, and corruption. So let's play uh, this clip. This is the, uh, the acting U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York detailing the indictment against Ghislaine Maxwell process left the minor victims susceptible to sexual abuse. That abuse included sexualized massages during which the minor victim was fully or partially nude. These sexualized massages developed into sexual encounters for which Maxwell in some instances was present and participated. Maxwell and Epstein worked together to entice these minor victims to travel to Epstein's residences, depicted on, the, depicted on the other chart at the front of the room. His residence in New York City, on the Upper East Side, as well as Palm Beach, Florida, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. Some of the acts of abuse also took place in Maxwell's residence in London, England. In addition to allegedly enabling and participating in the sexual abuse of young victims, Maxwell compounded her crimes by repeatedly lying in 2016 when she was questioned under oath. And we have charged those lies in two perjury counts. Now, those two perjury counts that are included in this uh, current indictment, uh, she may be uh, exposed to because those are new crimes that weren't un- that weren't covered. I don't believe under the uh, the plea agreement that was uh, put together by Dershowitz for Jeffrey Epstein, somehow <laughs> uh, shielding all of his accessories. I've never heard of a plea agreement that goes outside of you know uh, the, the person that negotiated it and protects other people. But uh, you got to keep in mind that uh, this this uh, is not being investigated by the human trafficking division of the SDNY or even the, uh, the sex crimes unit. 
This was being prosecuted by the Public Corruption Unit. So they've got their eyes on uh, some elected official or uh, or government bureaucrat. And I kind of doubt that it's Bill Clinton, because this very same office is a long history of protecting Bill Clinton and his cronies, including Anthony Weiner and Uma Abedin. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. I've got one more clip on this topic. This is Jesse Waters, who is... Uh, is developing as just a really powerful um, commentator. You know, he was taken under the wing of um, Bill O'Reilly at Fox News, and he's sort of become a young and uh, and better Bill O'Reilly. Well, I would worry. We uh, broke this on Waters World a couple weeks ago. We had Daniel Harper, the author, who has source told him that Bill Clinton was romantically involved with Ghislaine Maxwell. That was the primary reason that he was hanging out on Epstein's jet to begin with. He never even liked Epstein. He just oh, liked really? Maxwell. Oh, really? And remember, Maxwell was at the Chelsea Clinton. <laughs> so there may be their, uh, their out for Bill Clinton and his numerous visits to the island. Bill Clinton may have uh, coordinated with Ghislaine Maxwell to say it wasn't, he wasn't traveling down there to prey on these underage girls. He was having a, uh, an affair with Ghislaine Maxwell. Pretty convenient. Uh, but uh, you, there's a treasure, treasure trove of evidence somewhere. As I said, Jeffrey Epstein was obviously engaged in a blackmail scheme against these these rich and powerful men that he lured into having sex with underage children. And they've documented all of that. And I doubt very seriously that Ghislaine Maxwell would have destroyed it because it is her... Get out of free, uh, get out of jail free ticket. I'm going to go back to this clip with Jesse. Wedding. So we don't know that for sure, but that's been reported. If you're Bill Clinton, if you're Prince Andrew, if you're a socialite, a millionaire, a celebrity, and that you were involved in any way with something illegal in that sick little matrix between Maxwell and Epstein, mm -hmm. I'd be worried because if you're Maxwell, you're going to sing to reduce your sentence. She's not going to reduce it all the way because yeah, she's going to sing. But the question is whether she's going to uh, sing or she's going to compose. And the pressure is going to be on her, I believe, to compose. Stick with us. We got to run out to a break. No one likes to think about disasters or what could happen to you or your family if you find yourself in the middle of one. Look around you. Don't you wish that uh, maybe a few months ago you had gone to preparewithmojo50.com and picked up an emergency food supply? The reason is not that you're panicked. The reason is that you want to be ready for anything. Look what happened at the grocery stores in the last few weeks. There are others out there who tend to lose their minds when things aren't normal. You, however are smart. You know how to do things the right way. You know how to be prepared. You know how to take care of your family and it shows. I mean, you listen to Mojo 5.0. So go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find a special deal for you as a Mojo listener on a food supply, an emergency food supply that will ensure that you have enough food for you and your family for months however long you decide you need the supply for. It really is a great deal and it's about being ready for anything. Preparewithmojo50.com so we're back. I want to talk about Ilhan Omar. It's amazing how much this Somali refugee who uh, was uh, you know pulled out of a, uh, a squalid 
camp in Kenya and uh, welcome into, into America and is now an elected member of Congress, despite the fact that, uh, you know, she engaged her family engaged in immigration fraud. And she, in fact, married her brother in order to get him into the country as well. And then they both engaged in uh, documented fraud with regard to um, uh, tuition assistance at the University of South Dakota. She's being allowed to skate on all of that. And uh, she has become one of the starring members of the squad, the new uh, ideological guide, guide star for the Democrat Party. And you've probably heard this clip already. I'm going to play you uh, play it for you again so I can comment on it. As long as our economy and political systems prioritize profit without considering who, who? is profiting, who? who is being shut out, who? we will perpetuate this inequality. So we cannot stop at criminal justice system. We must begin the work of dismantling the whole system of oppression wherever we find it. So there she is um, before the microphone saying that she is going to dismantle the political and economic systems of the United States. <laughs> that is called sedition and it is uh, it is a, a federal crime. It's not being a traitor. Uh, this, this word traitor has uh, a treason, I should say, has been bandied about so much, even by um, the judge in the Michael Flynn case, treason, treason is one of the very few, I think maybe the only crime that's actually defined in the Constitution. And the definition of treason is getting giving aid and comfort to the enemy during time of war. So she's not a traitor, but she's a seditionist and she's uh, she's fomenting a revolution that she admits. With other members of the squad standing by her. That is de designed to dismantle the American political system. You know, it's kind of stunning how little situational awareness this buffoon has. She should be incredibly grateful for the blessings that this country has delivered to her, but she's not. She's managed to make herself into a committed Marxist that's calling for the overthrow of the country while at the same time, um, you know, engaged in criminal activity, she's funneled nearly a million dollars to her, her now husband who runs uh, some sort of a political operation for her. That's blatant corruption. And, uh, there's a large part of, uh, the American electorate that takes this woman seriously. She is con completely contemptible and I cannot for the life of me understand why no Republican in the house of representatives has not introduced a motion to expel her from Congress. And I don't understand why bill Barr doesn't have a, um, a, an investigation ongoing against her criminal history. You know, if, uh, if somebody would introduce that motion, it would almost certainly be defeated because they, they've got the votes. The Democrats have the votes in the House, but you ought to put them on the spot at least and make them vote to support this seditious Marxist that the Democrats have allowed to take up um, residence in the U.S. House.
So it looks like the uh, the Washington Redskins are going to be cl- changing their name. Oh boy, that ought to solve everything. Here's a clip from a uh, political a, uh, a sports commentator. Well, let me start by saying I'm a Washingtonian, so I'm a lifelong fan of the Washington football team. Today, he leaned even further into the culture wars, criticizing the Washington football team, which we will not name. Tweeting about, you know, Bubba Wallace and and the Washington football team. Pressure mounting for the Washington football team to change its name. Long past time for the Washington football team to change its name. There is something happening across the country, Allison. You look at the Washington football team. The Washington football team. Washington football team. Washington football team. Washington football team. The Washington football team. Now we should say we reached out to the NFL, to Nike, to... The Washington football team. You're not even allowed to say their name any longer. You know, it's not going to stop there. They're going to go after the Atlanta Braves. They're going to go after the Florida State Seminoles. Anybody who named their team, uh, their team to honor to honor Native Americans is going to be uh, accused of a hate crime and required to change their name. They're talking about the Washington Warriors. Hey, Warriors, come out to play, eh? We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll finish up on this topic. And we'll talk about the uh, the latest Supreme Court cases right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, today the Supreme Court issued two rulings in cases that are being closely watched on the effect they may have on the presidential election. And, of course, these are the cases out of uh, New York. The uh, Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance, has subpoenaed uh, the president's accounting firm, requesting 10 years of his tax returns in um, in a, a bogus, a, a trumped-up investigation of uh, the president's charitable contributions now um you wouldn't need 10 years the 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 request for 10 years of tax returns is totally unmoored from the actual investigation that cy vance claims that he has impaneled a grand jury to investigate and the president in response his lawyers uh, said that the president cannot be investigated or prosecuted while he was in office because that would lead to him being unable to focus on his job. Of course, the Democrats have weaponized our judicial system in order to harass and harangue and uh, and disable the president from being able to do his job. Well, today uh, at a little after 10 a.m., the Supreme Court issued a 7-2 decision authored by Chief Justice John Roberts that reaffirmed that the president does not enjoy absolute immunity from criminal prosecution or investigation while he's in office. And that was a, a standard that goes back to the very founding of the country. It was litigated most recently uh, in Bill Clinton's uh, case. Uh, 
But um, they did not uh, rule in favor of uh, Cy Vance's office. They sent it back down to the lower court saying that Cy Vance must now make the case that he, in fact, needs these 10 years in order to pursue his investigation of Donald Trump. Now, I think the president is going to have very good arguments that uh, this uh, this request for 10 years of tax returns is not connected to the investigation and that is just being used to uh, pursue the Democrats' vendetta. Um, and then, even if the uh, the... The district court in Manhattan, as it is uh, probably going to do, because it is a uh, a, a leftist court, uh, rules in favor of uh, Cy Vance, uh, the, the president will still be able to co- continue to appeal this all the way back up to the Supreme Court. So contrary to what you may hear uh, or have heard on the media, this thing, uh, the, the case out of Manhattan is unlikely to resolve itself before the election. The second case heard by the Supreme Court today was uh, the case, another case of uh, the Democrats uh, feverishly trying to get their hands on the president's tax return. And this one arises out of the House of Representatives, where three of Nancy Pelosi's committees are trying to uh, to subpoena the IRS in order to turn over the president's tax returns. The question there is whether they have a legitimate legislative purpose, which my reading of the uh, the case, they have not articulated at all. They just uh, generally say that we're entitled to investigate whether the IRS has been properly auditing uh, the president and we want to see the tax returns. That is not a legitimate legislative purpose, or at least in my opinion, it's not. But once again, the Supreme Court kicked that back down to the lower courts um, and, uh, and with instructions that... Uh, they have not considered the core issue of whether or not there is a legitimate legislative purpose to these targeted subpoenas against the president. Once again, this is going to uh, go back down. Uh, there will be another ruling from the district court in Washington, D.C. And no matter uh, which way it comes down, it will be appealed back up to the Supreme Court and very likely to resolve itself prior to the 2016 presidential election. So now we're left with this, uh, this notion that uh, is being pushed by the New York times that Joe Biden ought not to debate Donald Trump. If he doesn't release his tax returns, plus they want a, a live panel of these so-called fact checkers sitting on the stage um, you know, so-called fact-checking the president in in real time. <clears throat> of course, you know what that's all about. Uh, they know that the fact-checkers will be chosen from the mainstream media, which is all anti-Trump and all in on electing Biden. And so, uh, you know, we will leg- legitimize this uh, this notion that we can have these bogus fact-checks go on. Ah, uh, ha, 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 ha. The Supreme Court, uh, I, I think the ruling uh, was uh, correct in both cases, but um, they're so reluctant to uh, to get involved in anything political, which that's the Democrats' new strategy. They're weaponizing the justice system in order to engage in what they call lawfare. And it's going to have a debilitating effect, not only on this president, but future presidents, as these uh, these 
Soros prosecutors that have been elected across this nation use their offices in order to eat out the time and energy of the president. And, uh, and we're left, um, you know, as Republicans with no other choice, but to engage in the same activity when, and if another Democrat president uh, is elected. And, uh, this is going to be debilitating to the governance in this country. Um, this development of lawfare and, uh, and it, it would have been good to have some language from the, the Supreme court stating that these, uh, these cases, most especially the one in the house of representatives, uh, appear to be political in nature and, uh, and, uh, illegitimate. And we caution the other two branches in using the judicial branch as a weapon to use against each other. This is exactly why uh, other nations have become uh, become ungovernable. And I'm thinking more, most specifically about Israel and Italy and uh, in other countries that uh, as soon as one party loses, they immediately set about getting friendly prosecutors to, uh, to grind an ax against their political opponents. (laughs) Tom Friedman, uh, who, who on uh, Tucker's show last night, he had, uh, Dana Perino on and, uh, you know, Dana Perino is a sort of a mild mannered, um, uh, political operative, uh, an excellent, uh, uh, host on, on Fox. But she even pointed out that Tom Friedman has been wrong about almost every major issue in the last 30 years. Uh, and, and, you know, she's absolutely right. Despite the fact that Tom Friedman has won two or three Pulitzer prizes, those things have totally lost their value. And, uh, and the question now is whether or not the, uh, the case that he made is going to be picked up by, uh, the Biden campaign in order to try to dodge these debates. I think they realize, first of all, they believe these polls. I don't believe them. I didn't believe him in 2015 and I don't believe him, uh, or 2016 or 15. And I don't believe him today. You know, I've got a, a little bit of history with polls myself. I was, a uh, the firefighters, uh, association president in Georgia. And before that in Atlanta, and we actually, uh, commissioned polls. And I can tell you, having sat down with the people that conduct these polls, it's all about the way the questions are worded. And all about uh, who you call to respond, and they will produce you a poll that says whatever you want, whatever point you want to make. And I, I don't, uh, I'm not really unhappy about them putting together all these these uh, polls, these push polls that show Biden is is uh, winning, because it'll uh, it'll excite the Trump base. And make them realize that they've got to get out. And uh, it, it is likely, as it did in 2016, to lull the Democrats into a false sense of security. The big issue is not whether the Democrats are going to cheat in this upcoming election, but how extensive that cheating will be and whether the president can win by a large enough margin to overcome it. They've been busy putting their cheating schemes in place for uh, for three cycles now, and uh, and they're already um, you know uh, p- 
poisoning the well with these absurd claims that it'll be Donald Trump that'll cheat. Here's disgraced former Minnesota Senator Al Franken. Joe Biden has to win and win big for a number of reasons. One, if if Trump wins, it's a disastrous for democracy. It's disastrous for our country. Uh, two, they're going to do everything they can to cheat. And finally, if it's a close election, he may not leave. You know, uh, they're they're setting that up where they can get these uh, these bogus returns that'll uh, keep rolling in after uh, December, uh, November third. Uh, trying to overcome whatever margin they may be trailing by. And uh, and I would actually urge the president not to leave uh, until all of these uh, all of this fraud that the Democrats are engaging in can be exposed and quantified. So one of the big wild cards, and I've been reluctant to acknowledge this until this point coming up in this election is uh, Kane West. The hip hop artist uh, turned into uh, you know a born again Christian has thrown his hat in the ring, and uh, it has got the Democrats especially scrambling to try to figure out what effect this will have. Now, I don't know if Kane West will go through the process of actually getting on the ballot uh, in this election. He's already missed the deadline in at least five states, but it's a it's a big lift to get on the the ballot. Uh, the Democrats and the Republicans have got uh, most third parties locked out. Maybe he could. Uh, he, maybe he could get the uh, Libertarian ticket. I doubt it. But uh, undoubtedly, a lot of the people who uh, realize the Democrats have really been, or the black people, that realize that the Democrats have really been using them, but uh, can't possibly bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump, who has in fact delivered for black people. We'll have another choice. They'll be able to, to vote for Kanye. Did I say Kane West? Kanye West. Who is a buffoon? Kanye West is a buffoon. It's an indictment of uh, this decadency that we see in the American culture that he could ever become as rich and famous as he is. I don't begrudge him that. But he's, you know, he's not a serious person. And the Democrats know if he does get on the ballot or even if he enters as a write-in, he's going to take votes away from Joe Biden because the the people who understand that uh, Donald Trump has, in fact, delivered for them are uh, the black people, I think, are going to vote for Donald Trump. I think I, I predict that he's going to get a larger percentage of any Republican in modern history. I think it's all a public relations stunt. But uh, there it is. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. December 16th, 1773. And now, what really happened at the Boston Tea Party? What are they doing? They're throwing all the king's tea and coffee to the harbor to protest taxation without representation. Do you think we should stop them? I really like my coffee. Come on, it's not American Pride Roasters. Yeah, that would be a trebuchet mockery. American Pride Roasters, the choice coffee of real American patriots for over 250 years. That's right. Get yours today at AmericanPrideRoaster.com. Well, 
If you've said the world has gone crazy, I think 99.9% of the Earth's population would, in fact, agree with you. Here's the thing. You can never be too prepared for the craziness that's happening all around you. Keep your head while others are losing theirs. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. You will find an emergency food supply with a big discount because you are a Mojo 50 listener. It's not about uh, panic. It's about being ready for anything. Preparewithmojo50.com. Preparewithmojo50.com. Go there today. It'll take you to um, emergency food supply, and uh, you'll save $100, uh, a normal four-week emergency food supply. Normally, uh, $297 is available today for $197. Get yours today. So let's talk a little bit about the developments in the Wuhan virus. Of course, the media is a wall-to-wall that uh, we are in the middle of another um, pandemic. We got to shut the economy down, and uh, anybody that questions us is uh, is trying to kill you. And of course, uh, anybody with half a brain knows that the reason that the positive tests are way up is because testing is way up. It doesn't reveal new cases, or it doesn't. Um, it it just it just indicates the testing, the raw numbers. Or you know the uh, the the number of uh, po- people actually infected are being discovered. I said yesterday that uh, down here where I'm located, the the uh, the number of testing locations has gone from one to six, and you can just walk right in. And apparently, a lot of people are, in spite of the fact that they don't have any any uh, symptoms. You remember back in the early days of this, uh, Nancy Pelosi and all the other Democrats were saying, testing, testing, testing. We have to have testing, testing. They're better at, uh, at this than the Republicans are. The reason they wanted the testing is so they could use it as a cudgel against the president. But we actually should be celebrating because at the same time, we're learning that the infection rate is way up. The death rate is way, way down lower uh, than at any time since the very early days of the uh, the virus. And uh, what this indicates is that we're developing the so-called herd immunity. Now, that's freaking them out because they don't want the herd immunity, especially Bill Gates and company. They want uh, this thing to drag out until uh, they develop their vaccine so they can, they can uh, make billions and billions of dollars while at the same time getting people used to the idea that they can be mandated to uh, to get a shot. This latest outbreak is uh, affecting young people more than anybody else, and we know that young people, uh, people below 55, are almost none of them succumb to this virus. And that, in fact, the seasonal flu is far more deadly. But I've got a clip here. This is a, a montage from uh, Grabian. Tom Elliott's uh, outfit uh, with uh, the coverage, the unhinged coverage that you're hearing all over the media. Governors across the country and some of these hotspot states that it's good news that it's just younger people because they have a a better survival rate. That is a fallacy. The president also points out the coronavirus death rate is down. That's true for now. But the death toll, you can't celebrate it right now when you're seeing people heading into the hospital. Because we've seen this story before. In some ways, it never really ended. In a lot of ways, it is worse than ever. And of course, as we see younger people infected and going into the ICUs, it spreads to older populations. 
Americans, that death rate will change. These people go home. These people infect their parents and their grandparents. Those people get sick. They end up in the ICU and they either die or they take it from somebody else that could have used it. So actually the virus has become more dangerous because it can infect more people. It's more easily able to take root in the community. So it's changing in a worse way. This is going to be catastrophe upon catastrophe. <laughs> uh, just to say, hey, look at the death rate now is, is extremely superficial. Does the U.S. need another stay-at-home order? If the virus continues to rage like this, we have no choice. The White House and their calculation, this is about trying to instill a sense of normalcy. Then we all know that life can't really feel like it's back to normal. It can't feel, Americans can't feel feel that they have the virus under control. We have absolutely zero chance, and by zero chance, I mean zero, Z-E-R-O, zero chance of moving past this. Uh Death rates are going to go up following all of these large infections, and Dr. Fauci, again, is doing what he... Well, we'll see. We'll see. First of all, the the death rates were largely uh, concentrated, 43%, in these nursing homes that uh, Democrat governors across this nation... Uh, sent infected people into, and that cannot be repeated enough. Much of the death rate, almost half, was caused by these Democrat governors inserting COVID-infected patients into nursing homes. Remember the good old days when they were telling us it was all about flattening the curve. We just want to make sure that the health system is not overwhelmed. And then that developed into, uh, you know, We've got to uh, we've got to uh, develop a vaccine, and uh, we can't get back to normal until we have a vaccine. And now, those very same people are telling us that we have to keep schools closed. So after you know saying again and again and again that we have to obey the science, they're spinning on their heels and saying we have to keep the schools closed, in spite of the fact that we know that this virus. Um, affects young people less severely than it does uh, than the uh, seasonal flu does. And as a matter of fact, uh, the young people are very unlikely developing to develop enough of a viral load that they even become contagious. That's not my opinion. That is history. We have seen it in Sweden and the Netherlands and uh, in other nations, most specifically in Northern Europe, where they never close the schools. K through 12 doesn't need to be closed. Universities don't need to be closed. Now, if you've got a teacher that's older, um, she's probably not going to catch it from the children, but she will be out and about. And if she's uncomfortable with that, I think uh, you know accommodations must be made. But that's not what the teachers' unions are saying. I'm going to start with a, a trip, a clip from the president himself urging schools to get back open. Now it's time to be open. It's time to stay open. And we will put out the fires as they come up. But we have to open our schools. It's so important to open our schools. And what you said, from a psychological standpoint, with respect to staying home any longer, you can't do it. You can't do it. That has great dangers also. So that's where we are. We're not closing. We'll never close. You'll have certain... Can we pay attention to the science? El said over and over again, we have to follow the science. The science says that young people don't develop enough of this virus to even become contagious. That's not having an effect down here in Florida where I live. Uh, one of the National Education Association 
Union officials uh, said open? No way. We are the land of the unfunded mandate. There are things coming out of Tallahassee that are expected to take place in our classrooms, in our counties, in our schools, and there's no money behind it. We can't work off of empty words. We need to have specific plans in place so that I am not exposing myself to this pandemic. When I started teaching, we were worried about kids passing notes in school. We were worried about kids chewing gum. Now we're dealing with pandemics walking into our classroom and shooters. This is a very harsh reality for teachers across the country. And unfortunately, without the leadership that is needed, we're not getting the money. We're not getting the specifics. And there is no guarantee that we're going to be There's safe. no guarantee in anything in life. Um, this, this woman is not going to be at risk of being infected by her children. But she's all on board with the Democrat agenda, and that is to keep the, the, uh, the economy locked down. She mentioned there that we have to worry about shooters, and that is a legitimate concern, but not so much for her because in Florida, in the aftermath of the Parkland shooting, uh, we, have, uh, we have assigned um, police officers around the clock, and they have been instructed that if they, uh, they hear any of this or they see any of it, that they are to respond immediately. Now, in other Democrat-controlled cities, you've seen in San Francisco and Minneapolis and Chicago, the school boards there are actually uh, kicking police officers out of their schools. If they've got a, uh, a school police force, as they uh, have in some of these districts, they're disbanding it. If they uh, uh, contract with the local police or sheriff's office, they are kicking them out of school. Now, how does that jive with their uh, concern about these school shooters? They're leaving these kids uh, unprotected, sadly. Well, Pat Buchanan, the guy who we should have elected uh, president way back in uh, the 90s, has has a new column in the American Conservative magazine. You can find them online at amconmag.com. And he asked uh, the question, which I think should be in everybody's mind, is where was Joe Biden when Trump was standing up for America on July 4th, he starts in his Rushmore speech. The president called out his opponent's silence in the face of the onslaught against American history. Speaking at Mount Rushmore on Friday and from the White House lawn on Saturday, Donald Trump recast the presidential race. He seized on an issue that is that can turn his fortunes around and the wounded howls of the media testified to the power of that message. Standing beneath the mammoth-carved images of Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, and Teddy Roosevelt, Trump declared, angry mobs are trying to tear down our statues, our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a violent wave of crime in our cities. The president went on, these mobs are made up of Marxists, criminals, and anarchists. Their cause is a cultural revolution. Their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. And I think we heard a clip earlier in the show from Ilhan Omar that was saying exactly that. Buchanan goes on, after citing the achievements of his four predecessors, Trump added, quote, no movement that seeks to dismantle these treasured American legacies can possibly have a love of America at heart. Then he put it right into the basement of Joe Biden's hideaway. No person who remains quiet at the destruction 
of this resplendent heritage can possibly lead us to a better future? This is the same question that Tucker Carlson asked on his show. If you want to transform America, do you really love America? Do you love our history if you want to destroy its, the history? Do you love our institutions if you, you think they're irredeemable? Where was Biden when Trump was standing up for America on Independence Day? As his party tweeted that Trump's trip to Mount Rushmore it was aimed at glorifying white supremacy, Biden was wailing about the need to, quote, rip out the roots of systemic racism from America. Does that sound like something an American president should be saying? So these lines in this upcoming election are drawn. We have one side that believes America is a good country. In fact, the greatest country the world has ever seen. And that the men who created this miracle should be respected, revered, and remembered. That's not the view of the Democrat Party any longer. Even as the fireworks were exploding on the mall in Washington, D.C., a Baltimore uh, mob was tearing down and smashing up and dumping into the inner harbor the Christopher Columbus statue in Little Italy in Baltimore. Do the haters of Columbus think that destroying Columbus's statues across America will not anger and alienate, alienate Italian-Americans? Do their heroes not matter? Does Biden believe that Italian-Americans are going to reward a candidate that will not denounce the mob for this wanton destruction? As the left wing of the Democrat Party embraces the defund the police movement, how long will it take for voters to catch on who are now watching murder rates climb to new highs? This last Independence Day, 17 people were killed in the city of Chicago in one day. Murdered. In New York City, crime has almost doubled. And right there in Stone Mountain, Georgia, we had a armed black militia declaring their intention to overturn this country. And now we've got a Democrat politician in the form of Ilhan Omar going on record saying she intends to do just that. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you as always for joining us. And I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva Paper Towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more.